Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. And we're just a goal and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So how goes your day, Seabass? Uh, day's going pretty good. Beautiful day here, so I can't complain. How are you? It's going pretty good here, too. Again, it's it's been a gorgeous week. It's kind of cloudy today. So it's back to feeling like Denmark. I don't hate that. I love a good cloudy day. But uh, yeah, no complaints. We are going to be talking this episode about the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, the new home of the Seattle Kraken. Just from the pictures we've seen, the videos, I mean, they've been very active on social media, kind of walking fans through every step of the process. This is a beautiful arena. Yes, it's a gorgeous arena. And one of the things that kind of, I don't think we've ever truthfully talked and we may have i'd have to go back to our old episodes but i don't think we've ever sat and just talked about a specific arena in the city that neither of us have ever been to or really even the ones we've been to i did think i gave a ton of props to the one in vegas t-mobile arena because it's just an amazing arena but climate pledge arena from what they're putting out on the site is like you said as active as they've been in social media and on their site just talking about what this arena is going to feature and how it's going to look pretty excited about it and the climate pledge aspect of climate pledge arena it kind of sparked my interest being you know a little bit uh, of an environmentalist here very big on that and of course i think a lot of the world is really waking up to it in the last six months to a year with a lot of climate effects around the world. So I was kind of curious to look into this climate pledge arena and, and figure out why it's called that in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the ownership group and, you know, the, I mean, it was, this is all privately, as much as I know, this is pretty much all privately invested. So, I mean, I think the group to get a group that large together to basically make a pledge get it pledge to do what they're doing here i think this is awesome and i think this is the future of arena slash stadium building you know we'll obviously I go more into more detail here but i honestly if you look at what seattle did seattle's always kind of been on the cutting edge of leading this and that i think client pledge arena is going to be the first of many i think so in a big way of the future i mean one of the organizations i love green sports alliance if you remember, there was a NHL player, Andrew Ference, used to play for Boston, is one of the big guys in this organization trying to reduce the impact of arenas and sports venues all over the world. Became very passionate about that. And one of the other, there's some big names that are very, very keen in, in the sports world and the hockey world on environmental impact of arenas and just basically right now the global climate change and mike richter we when we did that episode about our fantasy teams uh, for the canada and u.s rosters when i was reading up on mike richter's stuff he was actually paired up with um fatisov out of russia to try to do a north pole game to raise awareness about the decreasing basically north pole and uh, the threat to the planet and and such and focus on polar bears and stuff up there because that's their habitat and it's being eliminated there's a lot of big names in the hockey world that are part of this. Fitisov on the Russian side, I think he's also the Russian representative for, I want to say it's UNEP. I'd have to look. That could be totally wrong there. There's a lot of big names in the sports world that are really keen on making sure they have a lasting impact. Their goal is to make a lasting impact because obviously they all have kids and they want to see a happy, healthy world for their children. I think the group has 
done a good job to basically be like, hey, this isn't a gimmick. This isn't a thing to just like get an arena here, you know, start making money. OVG, which is the group, the ownership group, owns the land. Well, Seattle, the city of Seattle owns land, but the OVG signed a 39-year lease with two eight-year renewable options. So it can make a potential 55-year lease. So to me, when a team puts something in place where it's a 55-year lease potentially, that's them saying like, hey, we're here to stay. You know, we're going to do what needs to be done. I mean, you know, we want to talk about, you know, problem with leases. Look at the Coyotes, you know, one, two-year lease, and it's just over and over and over again. Even here in Ottawa with the new arena or not a new arena and all that problem. Um, to see an ownership group being like, hey, we're here for the long run. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to provide it. I think that's huge. And then, you know, another thing that you see, like, again, talking about the Coyotes, they're trying to get the taxpayers to pay a huge chunk of their new arena. With OVG, they actually, it's all it's all funded like it's it's all privately funded through their group the one billion dollars it costs to to build and run and all that like they're taking on everything so to me yes this group's in 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 a spot to make a lot of money don't get me wrong they're gonna they brought an NHL franchise in they're gonna get concerts they're gonna get there's a WNBA team in there um there's a ton of other teams in there they're going to make money that being said I think the fact that they're putting in their own money which is unlike most arenas being built these days uh, and you know they're getting in this long this long term lease and they're really working with you know Seattle. I think this is not only the way the future how arenas are going to be built, but hopefully how ownership groups take on the business side of things to you know have a happy relationship with the actual city they play in. It's interesting you said that because you're straight up saying that this Climate Pledge Arena had zero public funding. Yeah, it, it was all it was all completely privately funded. So, you know, no taxpayers dollars had to go into it. You know, there's no hikes, there's no cuts, there's no nothing. All this was just brought in by the group. They paid, you know, the one billion that it's going to cost to build and maintain and all that. Like it's them paying for it, which, again, to me, I think is good because, you know, as that ownership group, that's yours. So you want to make sure you take care of that baby. It's not, well, it's one billion, but half that was given by taxpayers dollars. So if we have to cut corners here and there, it's not the end of the world. Like. This is their baby, and they're sharing it with Seattle and sharing it with the world. Um, so to me, I think that's the ideal way to run it because then you get people who actually care in there. And I mean, I'm I'm an auto fan, so I know what it's like to have sometimes an ownership group that doesn't quite care. Um, shots fired, don't care. But you know how Seattle's doing it. I think they're doing it right. And just from researching this group, this ownership group, just kind of when Vegas came in, like how their ownership group was, I'm a big fan of how they're doing things. Yeah, and I, I love one day because I actually wrote a uh, – I think I definitely wrote at least one paper about this during my degree program uh, with, with sports arenas and, and public funding. It was a big point of contention within the group. There were some people that were definitely for it, and there were some people that were definitely against it. I was against it, but I was also on the fence depending on the situation that the city produced. Now, I felt like back in the day, having public funding wasn't – as big of an issue, I think now it definitely is. I think these owners make so much money off these arenas and off the teams that they'll put in there. And like you said, the concerts and everything. If you're going to put a team in a city, you want to be able to – you should have every aspect of being able to control that. The fact that Arizona Coyotes are trying to get public money out of the taxpayers of Arizona to fund their arena, I'm just like, well, if you can't afford to build the arena, maybe you shouldn't have a team there. That's, you know, I don't know how the arena in Quebec was built. I don't know if that was all private funding as well. But I think that moving forward in the sports world, regardless of what sport it is, whether it is football or basketball or baseball or National Hockey League or soccer, I think that they need to be 
you know, if, if you're going to put a team there, you're the one building the arena. I mean, I don't, there's definitely aspects to when the city controls it. There's different things that they can do. So having public funding, well, if we're not going to be, if we're just going to be leasing it and you own it, then, well, if you own the arena and you can kick us out, like in the situation in Arizona, then yeah, the city's the one building it. But again, does that benefit the taxpayer? And I think this is where Oakview, which is the group, they had the money, they're able to do it. I think it eliminates a lot of headaches, but it also kind of shows the city and the fans going in faith, like, hey, we're not we're not on the fence about this. We're not, hey, you know, if you want us, you need to pay for some of this. It's very much like, hey, we want to be there, so here's the money we're paying to be there. Let's get this done. I mean, as a, as a fan base, that fires me up. I think the only negative for me, what I see, especially with, like, you look at the news in the world these days, um, when you think negative news, you think of uh, Amazon quite a bit with everything that's going on in the warehouses and all that kind of stuff. They partner with Amazon, the zero emissions, uh, climate pledge name, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think, to me, that's maybe the only negative spin on it, and I, I get it. That's a way to get some money for them is that they connect with a very wealthy business. I think as long as the Oakview group are able to ensure none of that negativity gets into the space in Seattle, I think they'll find a way to make it work. Before all this news came out, I thought it was great. I mean, they're they're getting together with Amazon, huge company, lots of money. They can always you know keep things tip top shape. You know, they've got you know there's no there's no funding issues there. Again, that again that's just to me when I look at it, it's maybe the one negative aspect of all this. But again, I mean, they're doing such a good job compared to every other franchise of how they're building it and, you know, the zero emissions and, you know, the plans they have in place to, to keep it zero emissions. I, I think that part's great. I'm just, to me, the one thing that worries me is that partnership with Amazon. I'm the same way because, I mean, Bezos being a part of the Climate Pledge uh, Arena group, um, and I think it was him that was like, oh, well, we're going to name it that because we want to raise awareness for, for climate change and everything. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Also, why aren't you doing something more about it instead of flying yourself to space? For so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where with all the money and efforts put into something like that, the fact that at least on paper – He's making it appear that it's going to be Climate Pledge Arena and it's going to stay Climate Pledge Arena to raise awareness for it. It's like, well, I don't think at this point the planet really needs awareness raised. I think they've pretty. I think the. I think the most of the population is has figured it out now in the last year that anyone that was doubting it before really it's going to have a hard time doubting it now. But there's going to be doubters out there regardless because someone on Facebook made a cool meme that they liked and they understand that and they're like oh it's fake it's like okay well you're not listening to the top scientists in the world that are actually talking about it on the daily so you don't know anything about it and we could get down that whole rabbit hole that that's something that i'm very passionate about so that's why this arena caught my eye because it was called the climate pledge arena at least this is one of the situations where it's not going to be named and we all i mean you can name any arena out there they change names all the time right it's gone from the verizon center to the capital one center it's gone from you know pilot field to salem field it's all over the place well whoever can pay the most money that year is going to name the arena and i think most fans just don't care anymore if, if verizon's on the arena i'm not gonna be like wow that's cool i'm gonna go with a verizon phone now you know know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go with the plan that's cheapest that gets me the most coverage i don't care if it's verizon or not or t-mobile it doesn't matter if insurance companies or a bank is gonna be like oh capital one we're gonna sponsor an arena and people are gonna want capital one cards here not really <laughs> it's, 
it, it doesn't sway my decision if an arena is named after and and maybe it does for other people maybe they've done enough market research obviously they have people that do that that are probably like, yep naming an arena and spending millions of dollars on naming an arena is totally worth your budget i don't know maybe it was with the older generations but i honestly think with gen z coming up i don't think they give a flying if an arena is named after anything truthfully yeah literally like it's whoever gives them the most money like i mean they could be purple dinosaur arena and they're like yep sure just give us the you know however millions of dollars you need to pay us and, and it's true i mean i think this not taking on a name i think is, is big as well i mean yeah they're it's like self-promoting like yeah look at us for zero emissions which is cool. don't get me wrong like i'm i'm in for that i really like that i'm 100 percent in for the zero emissions arena i think that part's fantastic and again that's the whole reason this this episode is it caught my eye and we wanted to talk about it and i think the only thing i'm worried about is once that wears off like once everyone knows you know five years down the road okay there's zero emissions like you know other ranks are starting to do that how long is it until it's like bezos dome of thunder arena or something you know what i mean like how, that's the only thing i'm worried about obviously at the end of the day everyone's gonna want to make their money so i think for them if they're really making that pledge to it i mean to me it depends i mean if they take on a name of a group who also is working towards you know zero emissions and all that like i don't, I don't even know i'm just gonna make up a you just firm. go. We call it World Wildlife Fund. Yeah, exactly. Arena, World or Wildlife, call it, you know, or call World it Wildlife UNEP Fund. Arena. Yeah. Exactly. Or like you, know, like you said, the World Wildlife Fund, you know, Zero Emissions Arena, or whatever it is. Um, but then they take that money and actually donate it to the cause. I mean, to me, that I'd be, I'd be cool with that. Like, if you're gonna make a cause, no, fine, find it, find a, a team, a group that's working with your group to to get to your goal, and then take that money for that sponsorship. I mean, that that group is still gonna have to pay, obviously. A, you can't just I mean I can't just walk into the Scotia Bank place or Kane Tire Center or whatever Corral Center, whatever they call it these days, knock on the door and say, Hey, I want this to be called Sebastian's house and they're like, Cool, like awesome, we'll just change the name of it right now. Like obviously money's gonna need to be transferred, but I think if they do the right thing with that money and actually go towards their goal, um, I, I think I think it'd be it'd be kinda cool and seeing other, you know, arenas follow that and kind of use that naming rights for the right reason and not just call it like the Pepsi's better than Coke or Coke's better than Pepsi Arena just because they have money and, you know, they, they can just fund all that kind of stuff. Um, now, the other thing I want to talk about, too, which I had no idea until we kind of looked into this, and I don't really know the arena that was there before the, the structure, but the arena kind of going, you know, zero emissions and, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, that kind of thing. They reused the roof that was originally uh, constructed on the arena that was actually built for the 1962 Seattle World Fair. So they basically just kind of updated, kind of upgraded that roof a little bit, but they're still using that roof because it's iconic to Seattle. But at the same time, they're not demolishing something they don't need to just to throw in the, you know, into waste, into the, the landfills. They actually repurposed that roof, and I think it looks great personally. With it being Climate Pledge Arena, they've made a bunch of different ways of doing the construction and using more sustainable material and having the zero emissions and re basically repurposing an old arena and keeping portions of it like the roof that's all not building new material and everything's a big part of what causes emissions and everything else so they've done really good at, at keeping to that and it, they've made it really cool it's a very very cool arena and i would love to go see a game there at some point if i ever make it back to north america i will definitely want to go see a game in seattle and i'd be very excited to see how this thing's all constructed and built and the environment they're going to have there for the kraken i think is going to be amazing and i think like you said they're going to have the wnba team which i believe is a storm uh, also i believe playing out of the arena as well 
So yeah, very cool with where they're where they're going with this entire project and can't wait to see the croc and hit the ice for it. But I'm with you. I think if they named it something like a, a World Wildlife Fund or a Nature Conservancy or the what is it, the Natural Resources Defense Council, something arena, the national because they could do a lot with with that and they could actually you know put their money where their mouth is right yeah exactly and i think that's kind of where we'll go in the future and i think that's you know not it's not asking a lot of the group but i think right now you know their, their main their main focus is getting that arena finally open getting you know a pretty exciting roster on the ice and um, i'm excited i've seen you know renders and different pictures i'm excited to see what that arena looks like with fans. It's the same thing with like when Vegas was built, right? I mean, it was like top of the line and you had all these renders and all these kinds of videos that they did before. But once you saw fans in the stands, skaters on the ice, that was like, wow, like that's a wicked arena. I love how they do it. And I, and I hope that Seattle kind of goes with that and kind of makes it a full on entertainment night when you go to a day, when you go to a game. And from the pictures I've seen, I mean, it's not going to be hard for them to do. I mean, they, they, it looks like a beautiful arena. Beautiful arena. I think it fits in well with the Seattle culture. I've never been to Seattle, but I've heard enough about it and known enough people from the area where I obviously have the team called the Kraken, the way they've done the Climate Pledge Arena. There's just a kind of maybe more laid back kind of Pacific Northwest vibe uh, they got going there. I think it's a I think what they've done is pretty cool so far. I also liked, I think, when they initially had their Kraken cocktails and stuff coming out. They're not even shy about making sure they use the the Kraken rum right inside their recipes. Who else would you use, right? It's like a match made in heaven. You're like, hmm, it is. with Kraken. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> they gotta have that at the arena. They got. They're gonna have to have some sort of cocktail something in that arena with the Kraken mixed in because that's just a way to go. And I think that's gonna be a perfect opportunity for the the Kraken. Was it black rum? Yeah, I guess I just like it. Kraken dark rum. Um, but you know the, the thing too is. There. You know, Seattle's known for the, you know, kind of, you know, their, especially coffee scene, you know, they, they have their little Starbucks, uh, you know, right in the arena and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they're, they're actually known for a lot of like food scene and drink scene. So I think it's kind of cool to see the, how that's all going to wrap up into this arena. And I'm just, I don't know, looking over this, everything, I mean, you can go onto their website. And there's a ton of information. You know, Wikipedia has a ton of information. There's a bunch of different videos and articles, and even their website. I mean, I, I know thing I noticed that was pretty cool is they always give updates every couple of days. Like, hey, we're redoing the streets today. Hey, you know, we're putting the WNBA locker room finishing touches on the locker room. Hey, we're doing this. It's kind of cool. Like, they're very like involved with their fans, and I, I'm I'm really hoping that translates to a game day. I agree. I think I'm I'm excited for the whole experience there in Seattle. I think it's uh. The Seattle fans have waited a long time for this. Sadly, for fans of like Buffalo Sabres and such, Seattle's already got us on cups. They have one. So <laughs> this team's just coming back into the NHL and they can still have a banner in their arena. So a little bit upset about that. But what can you do? Does, did Ottawa ever get a cup back when? Oh, yeah. I always had a couple of cups back when they were the the what, the originals. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's a couple cups that hang up in, into the banners there, but uh, let's just say nothing. I don't even think my grandparents were alive when that happened, so it, it, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a while, but they can still claim they got a cup. It's like all those Montreal Canadiens fans that talk about their 24 Stanley Cups when most fans have only seen one or two get raised. So just saying. One more shot at our, our, 
uh, co-host Steve there. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap it up here. Well, uh, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was Pigeonhole Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your creeps.